What up, homie? What's up, homie? How's it going? Over here, just relaxing, kicking back. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. No look. Oh, you got the spoon? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I missed that spoon. <laughs> <laughs> that spoon got me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> no, no, you just got to mix it right now. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. Mr. Campbell? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up with Drake? Is there a way to mute, to mute my my line? Mute your line? What you mean? Oh, because I might be washing dishes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's it's all good. I just put Stella. I just gave her a bath. It's all part of the real husbands of Riverview. Washing dishes. Putting down kids, making dinner, running errands. It's life, bro. It's life. It makes you authentic. <laughs> Man, it's been a minute, fellas. What's been going on? How's life treating you? Oh man. I mean, it's 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 like I say it every time, but like you can't complain, but you really do get to the point where enough is enough. Like you want to, you want to get back to some some form of normalcy. But like, yeah. but quarantine life is it's not bad. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it has its pros and cons, like everything else. Um, I'm definitely getting that cabin fever itch. Um, you know, it's been 12 weeks since we've been able to go to work and socialize so it's just been me my wife my son and my daughter and they're great i love them they're healthy i'm happy but whew, i can't wait to get back to some type of normal routine <laughs> this has been this has been an adjustment for sure man like me me and shelly we we took we took the time this um this past weekend um you know, took advantage of things opening back up a little bit, and we we went out to uh, to a nature preserve just to you know get outside and, and do something. So it was nice to go out and walk. We was out there for about about a mile and a half or so. You know, just oh, something to up. do. Did you wear mask or were people wearing masks out there? Um, no, like the one the one we went to, like it's it's surprisingly it was only like like not even two miles from the house. Um, okay. And so, like, we got out there, and it wasn't even packed. Like, there was there was cars there, and like, I'm talking like four or five cars. And like, I saw one person as we just entered, and they were going the opposite direction. So, mm -hmm. but then the rest of the time, we didn't see nobody the whole time. Oh, okay. That's what's up. That's what's up. I hope you know some of these small businesses start to bounce back a little bit as the state starts to open up more and more and people start to get more comfortable. How's it with you, Dre? Um, you and Delora are both working at the house still? Yeah, for the most part. I've gotten into a little bit of a groove, but not fully. But 
I'm a, I think I'm the only one who's kind of okay with it. I mean, the only thing I would <laughs> want to is going back to work only because I'm just more productive at work at work. That's yeah. Yeah, that's the only thing. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm safer at home anyway. So, I legit have not gotten sick in these three months. Like, I haven't had a cold. I think I had a minor cold. And I think people, uh, since this quarantine, you pay more attention to your health. Um, like, stuff that yeah. we honestly should have been always been doing. Like, not being too close to people. Covering your mouth when you cough. Washing your hands. Like, it's just reinforcing you doing it now. So, hopefully, this becomes the norm. Like, you know when yeah. you get that little lump in your throat and you know, all right, this is going to turn into a cold if I don't do anything about it. I have mm. fought that lump like five times during the quarantine and fought him off <laughs> like, with oranges and like vitamin C and just different, different things, ginger ale and all of that tea. So like, I think you just pay attention more to your health now, uh, now that all these things are more yeah. magnified. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you all have learned during this 12-week process? Anything you would do differently? Or how has this, you know, shaped your view on your relationship and being at home so often? Um, I, I, think, I think it's definitely been a, a plus for, for Shelly and I's relationship just because it, it forces to spend more time. Not that we wasn't spending time before, but mm-hmm. but like like me, I'm I'm a big movies a big movie person, and, so, and she's not. But it's enabled us to, mm-hmm. to watch more movies together. Um, we we've started more shows together, and 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 then also just cooking around the house. Like typically, I do a lot of the cooking, but um, like having this time together since she's working from home, she's already home and mm-hmm. getting the she can start on things before I come in the house and so now mm-hmm. we're cooking meals together as opposed to one of us cooking for the other oh that's what's up that's what's up um, same for me it's definitely helped bring me and Jam closer you know she was on maternity leave when this first started so well she still is on maternity leave but this was before the baby came and now that the baby is here, we've been able to both be at home and, you know, get that intimate time with those, you know, first early stages of the baby. And with me not having to be at work, it definitely helps her tremendously. And, you know, I think it helped everybody get close. I think it helped Stella's relationship with the baby. I think it helped the baby relationship with us. And it helps Stella as well because, you know, for the first, what, two years of her life she's been ripping and running to school and you know in and out of the house and I know that's typical for every kid but for her to be able to just be here with us and just be around and you know see me work and be with mommy daddy and the baby it definitely helped us get closer as a family so it's definitely been some benefits of the connection that you definitely want to establish early with your kids so um, I think everything happens for a reason so I'm pretty satisfied with how we're able to get closer and communicate and work together like Stella's extremely helpful with the baby and it definitely helps out tremendously yep 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 how about you Dre how's it you know been these 12 weeks in the Campbell home it's been good the biggest adjustment is just 
Kamora is just getting more, I wouldn't say mature, but she's just busier. More confident and more. Yeah. 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 They're more aware. Stella doesn't care if I'm on the phone with a client. She doesn't care about any of that. I'd be on conference calls, Zoom chats. Stella be on in the background looking at the camera. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, this is a snap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, dad, are we FaceTime? <laughs> What's up, y'all? Mm. <laughs> So, yeah, I feel you on that, Dre. <laughs> Man, that's really the biggest adjustment is just dealing with a third, like, not human, but a third personality. Because for the first the past two years, she was just a baby. So it's two adults and someone you have to attend to. Now it's three, three meeting human beings. <laughs> She eats now. She eats everything that we eat. So there's no baby food. She drinks everything that we drink now. So mm-hmm. now when, when you go food shopping, there's no getting Gerber anymore. Now it's just getting chicken. Mm-hmm. So it's we legit have a third. We have a roommate now, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and the roommate got no job, and the roommate doesn't work from home. <laughs> the brother that sleeps on the couch yeah. when you got when you got company coming over, Abra. Um, can you go to the room or something? <laughs> With the do-rag and the, the wife beater on. Leave <laughs> a note on the fridge talking about we out of milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yes, indeed. I, that dad life ain't no joke. I feel you, bro. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, I did get to catch up with well last episode I got to able to catch up with um, uh, little fires everywhere. Okay. Oh yes. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think? It was good. Some good cliffhangers. I hate social media though because yeah, they, <laughs> like every time I saw what what's her name. Uh, Carrie Washington. Carrie Washington. Yeah, every time I saw her, school, I kept thinking about all the memes on the, on Instagram. Yes, she can appreciate she definitely, it as much as I should have because I kept thinking about that. Yes, agreed. The moment I saw that meme for the first time, that's all I saw, and she definitely acts through her teeth, and it's it's hilarious when she's sad, when she's happy. All I could think about was those teeth. And I feel like her, <laughs> her last two or three films, whether it was movie or show, she kind of plays the same person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's been yeah, she's been typecast for sure. She's been typecast for sure. Because she was um, what was that? That it was a Netflix film, and it came around about American time. American American Son. Son. Yeah, American Son. Yep. Like she kind of was the same person, just with a daughter yep. instead of a son. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she's definitely she, Thai-cat, but apparently she was Jamaican with no Jamaican accent. So I guess she's, she's the female <laughs> version of me. <laughs> you know, it's funny you, yeah. you know, that she comes up because, like, I was sitting here flipping flipping through channels today, and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith was on um, the the um, the Brad Pitt and Angelina, Angelina. Jolie, yeah, and mm-hmm. and Carrie's in that, and like. I forget what it is. I'm gonna have to scroll through her IMDb, but I saw her in another something where she had a a, a minor role in it. 
and it's and it's cool to see how she's become like a leading lady as opposed to these these minor roles that she was getting earlier on. Yeah. One of my favorite films that she's in is I Think I Love My Wife. Great movie. Yep. <clears throat> it's a great movie. She's in that. Um, that's definitely a, a good watch if you haven't seen that. Um, she's in another movie that's on Netflix right now. It's called She Hate Me. Oh, yeah. That was her. It's a big, spike. Well, no, that wasn't her big break, but that was one of her early movies. Yeah, it was a Spike Lee joint. It's it's a weird movie. It was actually <laughs> good. People have been telling me about it for years because it came out like 01, 2000, and I didn't see it until yeah. maybe five, six years ago. But it, mm-hmm. it's, it's cool. You know how Spike Lee is. He takes certain extremes yeah. and yeah, takes it there. Like There's been a few of his movies that were just extreme. Like, um, what's that one with the blood-sucking one? It has um, it has Snoop from The Wire in it. Oh, you talking Snoop? Oh, Snoop from The Wire, yeah. mm. where they oh, were I'm drinking blood, sweet blood of Jesus. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah, it's it's good. It starts out kind of funky, but, <laughs> but he has good. another Netflix movie coming out um, that looked pretty decent. Um, the Five Bloods. Yeah, that's um, supposed to be coming out. He was promoting that when he won the Oscar last year. Mm-hmm. I think as soon yeah, as he has, won, he left to go film it in uh, Vietnam or so. Yeah, that has Chadwick Boseman in that. That looks pretty good. I think that's coming to Netflix. Um, I think with the quarantine, I really think the movie theater industry is suffering the most because now movies are going straight to streaming versus going to theaters. And I think once we get back to some type of normalcy, hopefully it doesn't, because I do enjoy going to theaters. Yeah, that's one of my but favorite I think, experiences. Yeah, like, I, I definitely enjoy going to the theaters. It's just something about being in the room and sharing an experience with people. But I think that now that everyone is streaming and it's so popular, I think movies may just go straight streaming instead of coming out in theaters. So that's going to be interesting to see how that all uh, continues or gets back to normalcy, because that's going to put a lot of people out of work. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think fair. I think what might happen is you might see like more of those spots, like like a like a Cinebistro where they're doing Cinebistro? they're doing dinner yeah. and a movie. Um, yeah, doing that kind of deal. But like yeah. I, I do, I do really hope movie theaters stay around because there is something about it. It's it's, it's yeah. different. It's a, it's a night out, you know. Exactly. Unless they can get savvy with it and do like private rooms, I don't know how they'd be able to do that. But they would have to make the screen much smaller, like where it's just for a specific party. Because keep in mind, this this shadow of COVID is who knows how long it's going to be around. So they're going to have to make some long term adjustments. But I can yeah. see like a hey, you buy tickets for two, and there's just a small room just for you and that person. Obviously, it's not going to be a friggin' you know thousand inch screen or anything like that but make it yeah. more private and then also less interaction with other people um i it's don't know how, how feasible that is or how doable that is because outside of that it would just be driving um theaters which i'm cool driving with that did you see what the dolphins announced today that they're gonna allow um people to drive into their stadium to do movies and they hold i think i think it's like 320 some cars do drive-in movies at their stadium at Hard Rock, so that's gonna be interesting to see. Because yeah, a lot of these be. companies, 
Oh, it's definitely a dope idea. And that's the thing. Like, everyone has to start thinking differently. But the issue with that is everyone doesn't have those deep pockets to do different things. It costs money to accommodate new ideas to get people to still come into your venue. So small shops and small movie theaters, they're not going to be able to have that flexibility. But major NFL corporations and stadiums that make billions of dollars, they're going to be able to have that flexibility. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all works out. Because like you said, Dre, this may be the first strand or this may be the first wave, but it could get more aggressive as the winter comes around. But businesses and companies definitely got to adjust to the times to get that discretionary income from us. And like, it's interesting because I I talked to somebody today at work. Um, They were, um, because we had talked about it in the group chat about what businesses may be affected and I thought I would bring this back. Um, So she she was a masseuse. Mm -hmm. And um, like, it kind of caught me off guard that, that she had called in because she wanted to open up a, a studio um, here in Florida. I think she was over in the, the Orlando area. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it, it struck a chord because I remember we had talked about it in the group chat how, like, those, yep. those kind of businesses, you know, might be the, the most affected. So I asked her about it. And so she was saying how, you know, like, how every every state, every city that has different, different restrictions and guidelines that you have to follow and so what she's done is kind of limited it to her 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 normal clients um she's got to she's got to do a screening you know do you have a fever do you have any kind of cough like all of this before they even get on the table she's wearing a mask they're wearing masks all that's a requirement and then she said like she's not even going to announce that she's opening the business because she doesn't want to be inundated with calls until things really calm down mm-hmm. but it was still impressive that she was willing to you know say I'm, I'm willing to take on this bill monthly mm-hmm. so so it so hopefully it's a good sign that things are going to turn around but I, I really am worried about this second wave do you know if she's wearing gloves like that definitely changes the whole experience if she's wearing gloves did you um, get that information no, she didn't. She didn't mention anything about gloves, but like she also mentioned like how she was changing her, um, even her waiting area. Like mm-hmm. she was taking out magazines, things like that, because she just didn't yeah. want didn't want to give anything people that could people could touch. Yeah, and, and pass it on that way. Hmm. Um, and then um, another thing she said she was doing, she was spacing her her appointments out further so that way her clients wouldn't wouldn't run the chance of crossing paths with each other exactly mm-hmm. well that's good I mean again you definitely got to make adjustments especially if you work in the service industry in that regard so um, got to take the necessary precautions for sure and like these precautions like I'm, I'm not even gonna lie like and it's probably just because I'm so lax about it, but these precautions are rough, bro. Like, indeed, indeed, you got to change your whole setup. And I'm, I'm same as you, Vince. I'm very, I don't want to say nonchalant or don't take things serious, but it's just like if it doesn't immediately impact my day to day, I may kind of just shrug it off. But it's definitely super serious, and 
Um, I'm sure you guys seen the aggressiveness of some of these stores and some of these people be in stores and acting all crazy about people not wearing masks and oh yeah, it's 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 crazy. They're, they're definitely going in, but like if it if it were me, like I w- I wouldn't I wouldn't wear a mask when I go out. But like my wife, bless her, she she <laughs> she she's more paranoid than than I am, and so. Mm-hmm. She's like, if you're going out, you gotta wear the mask. And to mm-hmm. the most part, we really don't because everything's getting delivered to the house now, anyway. Yeah, but like I know, like at the very beginning, when you know it wasn't like mandatory to wear a mask or whatever. Like her thing was, okay, we're gonna go to Publix. If we walk by anybody, hold your breath until you pass them. Mm-hmm. You know that that was the way to go about it. So. It's definitely raised your level of concern for sure because I just don't want to have a unnecessary confrontation because I don't know if you guys saw, it was a video of some people in New York and it was like this grocery store in Manhattan and these people were hounding this one lady for not wearing a mask in a grocery store and they were just calling her all out her name and it was like, y'all are aggressive. Like, it's, it's just crazy, 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 crazy. So... I definitely understand you don't want to spread the disease. You don't put other people at risk. You don't want to harm to yourself. But sometimes you just got to mind your own business. Keep it moving. Yep. And I hate to turn things to a serious <laughs> tone, but we got to address these recent breaking news videos and posts we've been seeing since we've last had a chance to connect. Uh, with Ahmad Arbery. Um, I think his name is Donald Floyd. Uh, George um, Floyd, I think. George, George yeah. Floyd. And also the Central Park incident with the Amy Cooper lady. Like, it's just, it's bizarre. Like, I don't know if you guys remember from our earlier episodes how we were all getting adjusted to moving out to Riverview living here and it's like living in a neighborhood that's you know mixed with you know a lot of diverse groups of people it's like you don't want to have certain concerns about running in your neighborhood walking at a certain time of night or just looking to be aggressive but it's like with these things popping up it's definitely crossed my mind and that's not okay and I shouldn't have to worry about, well, how do I look running in my neighborhood? (laughs) (laughs) I I shouldn't have to think about those things, but it's a legitimate concern that I have. And I don't want to have to adjust to the injustice. And that's definitely something that I've been thinking about lately. And it's just reoccurring. And for this to happen in Minnesota, what, two years after Philando Castillo, like, their police department clearly is still using aggressive force, unarmed black man, broad daylight, on videotape. And it's like, they don't even care. Like if I was to grab someone aggressively and someone was to see it and videotape me, I would feel like, oh my God, like I don't want that to be out. I would freeze and I would stop or I would adjust my approach. But it seems like they don't even care now. And it's like, Jeez, I hope I don't ever have to have to deal with that in my personal life with someone I know. Like that'll just really not sit well with me. And I just want to see, you know, what your thoughts are on that. Well, like it's with you bringing that up today. Like I was talking with a couple of coworkers, you know, during during break today at work, 
and um, I don't know if you saw it, but there was some um, some security cam footage that, or, or um, what's the word, traffic cam footage of of George Floyd mm-hmm. and like coming out the restaurant. Well, no, because they they got him out to the. It's, it started. He was on his. It was on his car. Or they were in in his car on one side of the street, and they got him out of the car. No problem. No problem. You know, sat him down on the on the curb for a little bit, and like with with how you're saying, you know, you would think that people would would see that they're on camera and stop. Like, I I want to give the benefit of the doubt, but looking at it, I can't see why. But in this video, it shows that they they had him on one side of the street. They had him cross the street and then pulled the car so it was kind of blocking the view of this camera. Mm. And so, like, I, I can't for the life of me think because why you would need to take a suspect to the other side of the street where you already have a car that you could have put him in that was on the same the side of the street you were on like I, I don't know why you would do that but the the one the one saving grace not even saving grace I shouldn't say that but the 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 one positive thing that I've seen and how they're handling it is that all four of those officers that were there have been have been fired. They're not suspended. Um, that's it the seems, one positive I take out of that. It definitely seems like there's becoming a zero tolerance for this type of behavior, which is a good sign, but it shouldn't be at the expense of another life lost, especially from a person of color due to the hand of the police who are supposed to serve and protect. And every situation is different. I understand you're called to do your job and it's dangerous. I get all of that, but I still don't understand why it takes four people to handle a situation with an unarmed suspect of a person of color and his life is in the balance of the law when that shouldn't be the case. Like that just should not be the case. I have a son, I'm a black man. I know that I could be deemed aggressive looking or I can be threatening and we live in a stay in your ground state and I shouldn't have to think twice about a confrontation and it may cost me my life. I shouldn't have to walk around living in fear in America and it's just it's it's be it's been out of hand but it's just it, it's happening too frequently. I shouldn't have to open my social media and every time there's a hashtag of a black person dead for no apparent reason. And then the whole thing that really got me fired about the Amy Cooper situation is the fact that the guy that she had the altercation with, he went to Harvard and people are saying, well, you know, he went to Harvard. It's like, it shouldn't matter where, what school he went to. No. She just, she thought less of him and just instantly said, I'm in the park and this black man is a, threatening me and my dog out of thin air. There was no confrontation. There was no slurs. There was no curse words just out of thin air he asked her to follow the rules and it was clearly signs all over central park about having your dog on the leash and she thought less of him how dare you even speak to me and this is my first reaction 
it didn't escalate from there. It just, her first reaction was, I'm in the park, I'm being threatened by an African-American male. Come quick. It, it's, it's terrible, but, and not to make a joke of it, but after seeing that video, I, I really hope PETA comes after her because she was choking that dog. Oh yeah, they took her dog. She lost oh. her job. They, she lost her job. They took her dog, and you know she would never really get back anything she's earned. But it's deeper than that because she was a VP of a financial company, big time. She was making good money, and for her to act that way, it's like that's not the first time she felt comfortable doing that and being videotaped in the public. This isn't things that are happening in the privacy of people's homes. These are things that people are doing in the public. So they know what they're doing. That's just so crazy to me. And I get this isn't the first time this happened, but it's just, man. In this past, what, six and a half weeks, all this has occurred? It's crazy. Yeah, and like like you, you said, it's a, it's a bizarre time, but there's another thing me and my cover talking about this, like, like in, in and it, and it's not just with the with the with the racial thing, but it's just mass shootings, things like that. It's just we live in a time where cameras are so accessible. People are you know trying to do anything they can to get ahead. So people are selling these videos, things like that, and just the way our news cycle works, negative is what sells. Yeah, and, and so so many more things are being brought to the light. Like these these things have probably always been happening, but they're just being brought to the forefront. And it and it's a good thing because it should spark change. But it it's it's just eye opening to show how much this is really impacting everybody. And I think you know the more and more that society as a whole sees it that's the only way it's going to change because a lot of people they hear about it and they say oh that's only in in this neighborhood but no mm-hmm. it's, it's everywhere it's everywhere it's so, everywhere so many different ways to look at all these things that have happened um to what you had just said uh, vince about it's this isn't really anything new uh a few years ago when this whole black men being recorded being killed thing kind of started which is weird but when this trend kind of started will smith made a comment he was like racism isn't getting worse it's just being recorded funny thing Mm -hmm. is i literally just saw it on instagram like right before we started the podcast today and i was thinking about it all day all week i'm like yo will smith made a comment about this when this you know hands up can't shoot i can't breathe when all this was happening maybe five Mm -hmm. years ago and now it's kind of and you notice it always happens in waves too because um, Fernando Castillo was around the time of two other ones. I think there was one. Remember when the guys, the, the black guys in Dallas k- killed the police or something mm-hmm. like that as retaliation because two or three events had happened? Mm-hmm. Not just Fernando Castillo. Was Fernando Castillo the one who was killed while his daughter was in the backseat? Yeah, in the backseat. And there was Cause... another one. There was another one around that time. They had similar name. To, <laughs> I forgot the name. Um, then there was Freddie Gray. Eric was... Gardner. The Eric Gardner, the, um, Mike Brown. It was like all in the same like six week period. And it always seems to happen like this. Like it's a wave of things happening. Then it calms down and then there's another wave. But just to jump into all three of these separately, three being the dog walking situation, um, 
the Ahmaud situation Aubrey. with uh, Ahmad Arbery and then the situation with um I think if I'm not mistaken was twenty four hours ago with um George Floyd. So yeah. the dog walking situation, I made a comment in our group meet. Uh, it's it sounds facetious, but uh, Charlemagne the God used to always say on Instagram or on Twitter or he was always say, I don't talk to blank words after five <laughs> o'clock like he doesn't tweet if you're if, you, if you're uh, whatever if you're an ignorant person he doesn't tweet you or he doesn't communicate with you after five o'clock and it, it's funny and he says it in jest but i kind of somewhat live by that like uh after a certain time and if i have to be in public like i'm going to Publix late or walmart late i try to limit human interaction um, and it sounds terrible and a terrible way to live, possibly. But if I'm making those transactions that late, five, six, seven o'clock, I'm not necessarily looking for fellowship. Like if it's eight o'clock and I have to go to Publix, it's an emergency. Like I need a diaper or something like that. So I'm not looking to communicate with someone. One reason is that's what turns into these snowball situations. Like you have no intention of communicating with someone, but now two strangers are communicating. And I would say 75% of the time, it's never anything good. Like we live in the South, so Southern hospitality, say hi to people, you make eye contact, nod. That's what it's supposed to be, but it normally isn't. So I honestly try not to communicate with people. And I, I mentioned in the group, like if I'm in the line at Publix, I'm the one who's uncomfortable when you're like trying to make small talk behind me. Like, hey, you know, how about those bills? Like, uh, I don't want to, I don't really want to go there because I don't want it to snowball into anything else. I don't want this trip to Publix ends up me going to jail for some something I didn't do. Like, if it is going to be just quick transaction and I'm back in my house where I'm safe. Like, and it's sad that it has to be that way, but like, if the innocent are dying, like, you don't have to do nothing to die. You don't have to do nothing to go to jail. You don't have yeah. to do nothing to get shot and paralyzed for the rest of your life. Yeah. So it's it's not like the odds are in your favor because you're a good, upstanding individual. Whether yeah. you're a terrible person or you're a great person, the odds are against you. So it's like, yeah. And so, it just. It, it breaks my heart, not to cut you off, it breaks my heart the fact that these people that are dying, their lives and loved ones have to go on without them. These people have kids, they have moms, they have relatives, someone was depending on them to come back through those doors, and that will never happen again. And these people got to go on and do these interviews and be on TV, and it's like, yeah, they want justice, but they would take all this away to bring that person back. Mm -hmm. And it's like an incomplete life, just wasted. And it's like, that just not sit well with me. Like, I don't care if he did have an issue with drugs. I don't care if he did have a fraudulent check. That does not determine he should just die in the street, in broad daylight, being videotaped, like he's less than human. I have an issue with that. I have an issue with not being able to run in my neighborhood or anyone else's neighborhood. And I shouldn't have to be suspicious or look suspicious or fit a description that's just fabricated out of nowhere. Like, so, so that brings me to the um, Ahmad Albury situation. Um, so, I, I, I honestly, in all these scenarios, I try not to know the details. So, I'm not the expert. I'm like, we. I think we all kind of got kicked in the face with the, um, with the. Um, Trayvon Martin situation like mm -hmm. everybody was an expert and we were all social media attorneys <laughs> and we knew all the laws in Florida and we made all these guesstimates and all these long <laughs> Facebook posts 
and we were dead wrong. I mean, not not that we were wrong. We were right morally, but you know how that ended up. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like I try not to dig into stuff, get into arguments with people on social media. Well, you know this in Florida, it's like this in uh, the state of New Jersey, like uh, like all of that stuff. <laughs> so I, I honestly, I, I hate seeing them. I don't click on them. I don't watch the videos. Now, the one um, with uh, yesterday, with the the guy putting his the police officer putting his knee on his neck like i couldn't help but watch it because it's like literally everyone posted it like every walk of life people had posted it but backing up to the um the jogging situation so i don't know all the details so i don't want to quote too much right or wrong but a gentleman was running in a neighborhood that i think that he lives in two that i that what what andre knows of pseudo neighborhood watch folks decided to stop him because they thought he was someone who had been breaking into houses or something like that it turned into an altercation where he was trying to leave and clearly had no fatal weapon and they ended his life yep. and it was caught on camera the person recording it wasn't an ally of the individual who passed away it was an ally of the or it seems like it was an ally of the people who did the shooting yes um so that leads to not just a race thing but to me more so of a gun thing not gun control or anything like that but remember we me and you guys kind of talked about this in the group me i am not an advocate for having your gun outside the house because i believe you need to protect yourself because everyone will say well i have the right to have my gun protect my family i'm protecting my family at my house my motto is run up and get done up. If you come inside the house, you're going to die inside the house. And we're going to bury you in the backyard because it's good for the soil. But, but like, you know, a license to carry and a license to conceal. What, what do I need a Glock in my car for unless I'm looking for that type of energy? I've been on this earth 33 years. Not a long time, right? But it's long enough for me to never need it, never say, damn, I wish I had a gun in that situation. Yep. I've been robbed at gunpoint um, sophomore year or junior year in high school um on jamaica avenue in queens dude pulled the gun on me i gave him a little 40 dollars that i had even in retrospect i don't say to myself man i wish i had my gun on me because what was 16 year old or 15 year old andre gonna do if he pulls out a gun on adult who already has a gun on him like i'm either gonna kill him and my life is ruined he's gonna kill me i have no life I'm going to shoot the gun, hit the wrong person, because it was on Jamaica Avenue. If you're familiar with there, it's an outdoor shopping (laughs) plaza area in Queens, New York. Mm -hmm. So a bullet going off is going to hit somebody. might hit a straight, a bullet might hit a child or hit a shopkeeper or something like that. Yep. So there's never been a scenario on these 33 years of my life that I said, damn, I should have had the gun with me. Like even I've been in altercations. I've been in fist fights. I've been in road rage incidents and stuff, you know. So I've never said, well, I wish I brought my gun with me Um, because I feel like you're just you're asking for something negative. If I have an altercation playing basketball and it turns into fisticuffs, that's where it should end. It should end with fisticuffs. It shouldn't end with somebody got to go to the car because at no point did my life feel threatened that it was going to be over. Mm -hmm. Like the only time I should need that weapon is if my life is about to be ended. And in the 30 year, three years I've had so far no man has ever threatened or made me feel that they're going to end my life and i would hope i can go another 60 without that happening maybe i don't but to to always have a gun with you to have six guns and all that other stuff i think that leads back to this situation if they did not have guns on them maybe it ends in a fist fight maybe it ends in someone getting knocked out in world star 
maybe it ends in the police being called but everyone gets to leave mm -hmm. and it just turns into that amy cooper situation where we're debating it on social media but there's no funeral there's no hard bottoms there's no coffin Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why I think this is more so a gun thing because it could have ended a different way and we he would be alive to debate the situation yeah. and to give his side of the story um, so that's my spiel on that situation and then the last situation the one yesterday where I don't know the backstory gentleman was being gentleman was being arrested notice I'm not giving you the race of any of these people that way when people are hearing this they can draw <laughs> their conclusion for themselves <laughs> but um gentleman was being arrested or detained for whatever that i know of. it was a uh, white collar crime didn't harm anyone didn't you know fatally attack anyone and what i saw was an officer had his knee on the gentleman's neck there were other officers around that person blocking people who were recording it and the people recording it were yelling he's dying he can't breathe why are you doing this and I don't know the time frame of how long it's, they were doing it. I heard three minutes and one person I heard said it was nine minutes. And of course, that person lost his life. The person whose neck was being held down. My theory on law enforcement is law enforcement are regular people and they make bad decisions and they make decisions based on emotion and spitefulness. And I think we give law informants too much credit because they are the ultimate authority. Like, who are you going to call if I do something wrong to you, if I'm law enforcement? You're going to call law enforcement because I'm law enforcement. Like, I I've made a comment before <laughs> in the group text. When you get arrested, not that has ever happened to me before, but when you get arrested <laughs> and you have cash on you, uh, when you get arrested and you have cash on you, when you eventually come out of jail, not prison, you're going to have less cash when they give you all this stuff back. Like, you may have no cash. Long story short, the police take your cash and keep it for themselves. Like, <laughs> but who are you going to tell that someone stole your money? The police officer that stole your money <laughs> or the police department who are probably sharing your money? If you went to jail with $40, you're probably going to come back with $7.22. <laughs> who are you going to report it to? Now, that's a small scenario, but that's essentially what a lot of these scenarios are. Who, like, who, who's the upper person that you're going to call or raise your hand to tell the teacher on the police officers that's doing this? And a lot of it is emotion. In our jobs, sometimes we get emotional. We probably slip up and say things we shouldn't say to clients or policyholders or customers because we get our emotion gets involved. When a police officer does it, it's a different scenario because it can lead to someone being wounded, injured, or fatally injured. And I think that's what happens in these scenarios. There was no reason for him to have his knee on the person's neck for that long period of time. Nothing good was going to become of that. I'm, I don't know how long he's been a police officer before, but if you sat him down and asked him, have you ever done that to someone else for that length of time? The answer would probably be no. Did you think that this person was going to survive what you were doing? He'll I'll probably give you a runaround answer, like not really answer the question. Like if you're using your mind, that was not a wise thing to do. You can make up every answer in the book on why you were trying to justify it your life was being threatened he wasn't cooperating there was no one was threatening your life if they're laying underneath your knee and asking for you to not kill them like that's just pure that's premeditated murder because at some point you acknowledge 
yep, this guy's gonna die and I'm fully okay with it. This isn't like manslaughter where it just accidentally happened in the midst of the scenario. You consciously made a decision that when people can't breathe for more than 60 seconds, they're probably gonna die. And what I'm doing is stopping this person from breathing and we passed 60 seconds, but I'm just gonna continue to do it. I think it was rage and it was, he got the best of me. Have you guys ever, I know I'm rambling, but you guys ever see like a cop who, you know, someone gets the best of him and it's on camera. Like he gets punched in the face and he runs away and the camera's like recording him. And mm -hmm. obviously the cop wants to get his get back. I feel like once again, police officers are regular everyday people. They want to get their get back. Maybe this dude swindled them or maybe he swung on one of them. I'm, I'm, I shouldn't even say that, but maybe he just did the one, two on them and they just felt slighted. So they're like, mm, I'm going to get my get back. Most of the time, it's when he's on the ground, let's kick him in the side a few times, right? To get our get back. Or when we arrest him, throw him in the cell, give him a one-on-one -on -one really good, whoop his ass. But I think this was a spiteful scenario of he was resisting and we're going to let him know why he shouldn't resist. And there's just no answer for doing what they did. But the problem is we give police officers the ultimate authority because who are, who are we going to run to? Who's going to police when the they're police? they're doing something wrong. Like, yeah, man. So sorry for that no, no, but like, there's just so many different levels of everything. And notice, I didn't have to mention the race of these people. That's just how messed up the situation is. Because when you throw in the race, the disparities makes it even worse. Well, you, you <laughs> the race of the people that it's happening to makes it even. Makes you it even hit worse. the nail on the head when you said this was a premeditated demise of a young man losing his life because when I watched the video it looked as if he readjusted his position on the man's neck. He had his hand in his pocket and he reshifted his weight multiple times and to me that tells me he was fully aware of what could possibly and ultimately happen and that is not okay and i'm not sure how close to the details of the video you guys watch but i believe when you have your last breath your bowels leave your body and it looked like a stream of urine also was flowing on the street and that confirmed that he was gone and he still sat there with his knee on the back of a man's neck handcuffed on his stomach on asphalt and didn't even break character now at that point though i think he was trying to play it off once he realized he was dead he was trying to play it off like he's not like he's not dead he's still alive he's still surviving what i'm doing because if i completely take my knee off of him everyone's gonna see he's limp and he's done but if i keep my knee on him and keep moving around maybe it'll look like he's still alive kind of like we, we probably all saw american was it american gangster where um the cop had killed he had killed the junkie or something like that but they wheeled him outside and sit, sat his body up so the crowd wouldn't yeah, riot made gangster. it seem like he was still alive I, um, that's what it was like he was just like oh I mean, it's over that also, but I can't just that also happened, I need to cover it up I mean it looked like a scene from Do the Right Thing I don't know if you guys remember that movie but Radio Raheem 
was mm-hmm. a character in the movie, and the police had an altercation, and they choked him, and they still put him in a police car, but everyone knew yep. he was gone. Yeah. And it reminded me of that scene from that movie because the paramedics checked his pulse or lack thereof and they still put him in the back of the I'm like put him in the bag like we all saw what happened like there's no reason to do all this nonsense like what were they checking for like they put him on the gurney they threw him in the back of the tr- he's gone put him in the bag zip him up it's it's a wrap and it's just oh man like I love you guys. I definitely pray for your safety, your departures, your altercations, your conversations. But this is just, it's, I shouldn't have to think twice about going for a run or standing my ground or anything in my neighborhood, in my community, and worrying about not coming home to my wife and kids. I shouldn't have to think about that. But it's a, it's a legitimate thought. It's a legitimate concern. And just like you, Dre. If so, if you're working and you have a family, you're gonna get off around five thirty, six o'clock. You're gonna try to get dinner ready, get the kids down, and if you want to take a run, it's gonna be about seven thirty, eight o'clock. So you legitimately have to make a constant decision on if you're gonna go out for this run or if you're just gonna chuck it up and say you'll go tomorrow. That's not okay. Yeah, you legit make a life or death situation uh, decisions all the time and don't know that you're doing it. Like on my way home from work, this that same scenario that you're describing, I always think about should I get gas now? <laughs> Since I was a kid, I always used to say I don't ever want to get gas when the sun is down because that's the highest chance of the gas station being robbed. Um, so like I prefer, for, I mean, gas stations obviously do get robbed during the day, but nine times out of 10, it's getting robbed at night and it ain't getting robbed with a baseball bat. It's typically getting robbed <laughs> with a gun. So like I legit make that decision. Like, do I want to get gas now or do I thug it and try to make it in the morning or try to make it before I go to work? Um, do I need to stop at Publix now? Cause I don't want to have to leave. There's so many <laughs> beer runs that I've missed out on because I don't want to leave the house again. <laughs> Like not because I'm scared because I don't walk in fear or anything like that, but just it's just is it the wise decision to make? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you make life or death decisions all the time, and you don't know. I it. never even thought about it like that. Like, like, it, like you said, it's because you don't know it, so it, it never, never crosses my mind. And again, maybe this is just my my laid back attitude about it, but, but like I never. Like there, there are times where I've I've been in in situations like, like late at night, and you know I think oh might something might jump off, but like to do it on the way home from work or something or, anything, or things like that, it's like you know that's what what everybody does. You're coming home from work; it's on your way home. Might as well knock it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Like, it's definitely something to, you know, think about. Like, I don't think about it coming home from work. Like, I stopped and get gas as well. But now that it's, like, something that you see. Like, it's it's, the, it's an issue because we see it too often. That's the thing. And those images being replayed over and over again, being reshared on social media over and over again, it makes you think that this can definitely happened to me which it may not be as accurate as it 
may sound, but it's definitely something to be concerned with and you have to raise your level of awareness. So this should definitely be a wake-up call to all of us to just be more aware, be more careful, and monitor how we nonchalantly live life or just kind of be naive to a situation that can easily happen to either one of us. Which is sad because what we're pretty much saying is be a New Yorker. <laughs> like my funny thing is I, I'm I'm the I'm the so-called New Yorker of the group, but I'm I'm gonna hopefully we don't lose any followers. I'm like I'm so anti-New York. Like I used to be the guy in high school was that was the do rag wearing New York this New York that because I moved to Florida from New York, so. But I have completely switched the script. Like I'm one of those people who's like, oh, look at this New York. <laughs> but my my hope this is terrible. But my outside from the outside looking in thought process on a lot of New Yorkers is they always kind of worst case scenario. They're like they're checking their back at all times. Like the world is out to get them is the best way to look. Mm-hmm. Like. Like and everything to them is so sensitive. Every interaction, like walking down the street, you know how like I made that comment about earlier in the South, Southern hospitality. You walk outside and make eye contact with your neighbor. You say hello, neighbor. In New York, it wasn't like that. You would walk and look at the ground. Try not to look at someone because it's not Southern hospitality. You're you're starting some type of issue. But that almost is the attitude that you need to have. That's what got that's what gotten me out of conflict. I mentioned in the group me the last time I had a fist fight was two th- December of 2000, my freshman year in high school. I haven't had to punch anyone in the face. I accidentally <laughs> punched my best friend in high school, <laughs> in in like junior year in high school. I accidentally punched him in the face. We, we were watching. This is random. We were watching a Zab Judah fight, <laughs> and I accidentally punched him in the face. But I have not had a fist fight in in 19 years. Not because I'm not going to the club. My heathen days, I'm going to the club. Not, not because I've never had a car accident and had to get outside and be upset. Not because I mean I'm a member of a fraternity. I went to the club and was stepping and stepping on people's shoes. There was plenty of altercations <laughs> that could have led to fist fights. But I just don't bring that type of energy and it's not like i'm running and you know people have video of me running from a fight or anything like that because none of that exists but you get out what you what you well you get back what you get you give off and i don't bring that type of negative energy to end up in an altercation or a fist fight or anything of that nature so i think that's what's given me this past 19 years of not having to have a fight but i also mentioned to you guys in the group the next time that i have to be violent it's going to be it's going to be fatal because I don't need at this age, I don't need to get into a fist fight. Mm-hmm. Like there shouldn't be an argument at LA fitness that turns into, Oh, what up, what up, you know, swing, swing world star. Like, no, the next time I, I get violent, hopefully I never have to is because I'm protecting my family yeah. or me from life or death. Yeah. Because if it's on some, you stepped on my shoe. All right. It ain't no big deal. If it's on, you're cussing me out. You won. You won the argument. If we're arguing at Publix, you won. Like I, I just want to walk away with my life and my sanctity and come home to my kids. Yeah. But if the if the conflict is gonna could potentially end in me not coming home, or my kids not coming home, or my wife not coming home, <laughs> then it's run up and get done up. <laughs> it's, it's over. I feel you, like so there's not going to be any more fist fights for the rest of my life so the last one was december 2000 <laughs> there's not gonna be another one so for me like i know you mentioned how you have you know your home protected and you have weapons and you know i don't have any weapons and 
it's more of a personal choice. Like, I'm not fearful of altercations because I have an aggressive personality. I talk trash. I'm loud. I'm obnoxious at times. So I'm all with the craziness sometimes. But I don't own any weapons because weapons have always impacted my personal family life in a negative way and I also lost relatives to gun violence so I don't want to be responsible for taking one's life with a gun but at the same time I also don't want to be caught slipping and not be able to protect my family I'm not going to yell a person to death I'm not going (laughs) to I'm not going to you know I need to you know definitely be mindful of you know what I need to have just in case something does go down but that's where I I kind of stand on both sides of like, yes, I want to protect my family in case of an emergency, but at the same time, I still don't know if someone breaks into my house and I catch them and they don't do any harm to me, if I have the gusto to take someone's life or even shoot someone in that matter. Like, it takes a lot to want to shoot someone, in my opinion. I know that people shoot people all the time, but it'll take me a lot for me to want I, I to love shoot we're having someone. this conversation right now here's where i'm gonna re- here's where i'm gonna retort if someone I, and i got that from samuel <laughs> jackson and, uh, Pulp Fiction, will allow me to retort but uh, <laughs> if someone is entering your house and not willingly at a certain time of night their intent is probably fatal. They're not, their intent isn't to, I'm just going to take a couple things and <laughs> hope you're okay with it. Like, so their intent is, is and, and I'm not saying I'm a criminal, but thinking the way a criminal <laughs> thinks now, they, they anticipate that you do have yeah. a weapon. So they're going in with the intent to, I got to protect myself too, because I want to get yeah. home. Like people aren't breaking into houses no more without yeah. a weapon and they're just cat burgling anymore. If they're breaking into the house, they're they uh, they're assuming the risk, and they know and they what they're doing. So, so you, you, if they if they made it past the front door, and I I would also feel so disrespected <laughs> that you need me to, to rob. That would be my biggest thing. Like the young African American with the do rag on. That's who you pick, but the seventy-year-old down the street, you didn't pick him. I would feel like you thought I was soft, and you were trying they to been, try me. They've been casing you. They've been casing you all week. It's like, yeah, he look like a mark. <laughs> exactly. I would feel disrespected if you picked me of all people. So it's going to be some complications and repercussions, and you have to terminate with extreme prejudice. We'll be the brother with the glasses and the Subaru. Exactly. <laughs> The educated brother from the same. <laughs> oh my god! But I, I do feel you. Like pulling a trigger, it takes more than just you know. We've seen those movies where like, oh, you gonna pull that trigger? It's a, take a man to really pull yeah. that trigger because it takes a lot. It takes a lot. It isn't just pressing yeah. a button. It probably takes a lot For because sure. you're assuming all the risks, and especially rational people like yep. us, you're thinking about this person is gonna perish. And it's not going to always end in, hey, you were protecting yourself, Mr. Campbell. You're good to go. I would say if you pull a trigger, there is a 80% chance you're going to go to a holding (laughs) cell that day. You may not get convicted. (laughs) Like, Like, you may not get convicted. If you pull that trigger, your life is ending as soon as that person's life is ending. Like, it's a wrap. Yeah. Now, I mean, you may not get convicted, you may get off, 
but that person has a family yep. too their family's gonna be like we want yep. justice you know you didn't have to kill my son he wasn't he broke in the house yep. before yep you know what crosses my mind is it's the collateral uh, damage because like i said I, I love that we're having this conversation because like i've actually been thinking about and i wouldn't even know how seriously but like i've been looking into purchasing a gun for the house and and just mm-hmm. like I don't know where the thought came from, but just over the last two weeks, it's been coming up. But like one of the things that that crosses my mind, Dre, you said having rational thoughts about things. Like I could be aiming for for this intruder. And if I miss, or if I'm using a shotgun and you know, one of the pellets goes, goes, goes awry. Like I have neighbors, like what if I hit one of my neighbors? Like, could I live with that? Yep. Like, that's that's yep. what runs through my mind. Like I said, the collateral. A, a bullet could ricochet and hit your wife. Like, it's so many things that can go crazy. And you're making these decisions in split yep. seconds. Like, your alarm goes off. You have an intruder in the house. You got to protect your family and your wife. And what you gonna do? You gotta remember the combination to open the box with your gun or find the location of your gun. And you see five-year-old kids finding people's guns and killing themselves. Like there's so much risk. And to be a person of color trying to kill someone or shoot someone who breaks into your house, it's gonna be like, I might as well just let you take whatever you're gonna take. Cause if I shoot you, I'm gonna have to go down a path of defending myself at work, defending myself in the public eye, and constantly being reminded of this instant situation every time I drive to my house, so we either got to move, and it's just it's just too much risk just for a TV set or whatever you thought I had. And your neighbors gonna look at you like it's just too much to deal with. And well, gun holders, uh, gun owners have a saying: I would rather be judged by twelve than carried by. Four. <laughs> I like that. I've never heard judged that. Judged by twelve jurors. <laughs> To my best homeboys carrying my body, but, it, it, but it's true though. Cause, like that, that's how I look at guns. Like, like, cause I've I've never never owned one. Like my my dad has some, but we've we've never shot them. So anything more than a BB gun, like we, it's never been, you know, never been nothing in our house. But like, you you think about it, like, and this is the rationale that that the gun owners have. Like, I'd rather have mine. I'd rather be, you know, caught with it than without, you know. Yeah, but that's what. So you're the drama that you've been trying to avoid <laughs> because if everyone else has your attitude, I'm going to leave my house with my gun. <laughs> like you're thinking, oh, I got to protect myself. No, you're the person that we're to, we're protecting ourselves from because you have the audacity to leave your house. With and that's gun. another thing. Like if we all left our guns home, we'd be safe at the football game. We'd be safe at the mall. We'd be safe at the barbershop. But more people have your attitude. I'm just making up a, a scenario, none of us, but of let, let me take my gun in the car. Let me take my gun in my holster and take it to the store because I never know what's going to happen. You are the never know that we're we're hoping that we never run into and i think that that's why it kind of piggies back to the um the situation with the um uh what's his name the the jogger oh i keep forgetting his name ahmad aubrey ahmad okay yeah with him like i said they didn't need to bring their guns with them like and all right now let's let's bring this whole thing full circle with a lot of these scenarios where was this weapon 
because you ended someone's life because your life was threatened. That's your logic. I had to protect myself. I was going to lose my life. What were they going to take your life with? Their words? <laughs> they were going to yell you to death? Yep. Their glasses? They were going to cut you with their yep. glasses? They were going to give you a paper cut? Like, where's this weapon? Because you're killing these people that don't have weapons on yep. them. So, so like, like you wanted to confront this dude. Two men against one man would have been enough. enough. You were you were going to confront him, beat him up, or yep. whatever the case may be. But we would have all lived. And the worst you would have had is a few nights in jail for assault or something yep. like that. But he would have lived to go home been and no, see his mom. There wouldn't have been no hard bottoms. There wouldn't have been no coffins. Yep. That's my. That's what I'm trying to avoid. I know we had talked about this maybe episode one or two about. I always kind of bring it back to Nipsey Hussle, and it. He's not the first person to ever die. He's not the first person to ever die and leave a family, but it hit me hard when I watched his funeral on TV and people were commenting on how nice his son's suit was. He had a son that had a blue suit, and um, his his child's mother, or I don't know if it was his wife. Um, Lauren London, one of her children is Lil Wayne's mm-hmm. son and he did a speech too and he was wearing a blue suit and if you're a hip hop head you know that you know, Lil Wayne is a blood and all that other stuff but outside of all of that I was just saying to myself a week ago they were just chilling and then two days later you gotta buy your son a nice mm-hmm. suit you gotta buy your son some shoes and I always think about that I don't want my wife to have to buy my daughter no shoes no no hard bottoms that's why I keep making that that comment about buying hard bottoms like I don't want to have to wake up and they go into JCPenney looking for a nice suit like mm-hmm. this should never be the case yep. so and I think that hit me so hard about my mortality uh like being here not being here and how it affects the family yep. she thought I was gonna come home and now who's going to pay the mortgage? And I don't even know the password to log in. Mm-hmm. And, and how are we going to afford this? Do we have to set up a GoFundMe yep. to do this? I, and, and we're not going to do that because, uh, you know, Liberty Mutual is going to cut the check. <laughs> but but, but so hopefully there is no GoFundMe. But, um, but yeah, like that, that's why I always harp on the mortality and hard bottoms. And I keep always saying that over and over because that should not be the case. You know, um, Ahmad... George and his family should not have to go out and buy dresses and black suits and sunglasses to bury them. Like, I, all right, I've never been to a funeral, and I'm, I know I'll be remorseful because I know some of you probably have. I've never been to a funeral of someone who was murdered. I've been to funerals for people who died of old age. I've been to funerals with people who passed of the C word, you know, not this year's C word, the C word that's always been around. I don't like even speaking mm-hmm. it into existence. But I could imagine the hurt if you have to attend a funeral of someone who wasn't supposed to die that day. It wasn't six weeks of you mourning. Someone else is the reason why they're not mm-hmm. here. Like I just cannot put that into. I wouldn't know what to well, do. Like that revenge murders happen I can, all the time. That would. I can life. speak from experience, and it's funny that in normal conversations, these type of conversations don't happen. But it also just made me think that I've never even spoke about this, but. 
my brother was murdered in broad daylight um and i had to go to his funeral back home in virginia and it definitely was a life incomplete he was 24 years old he was a high school graduate he was a college student he was in the marching band his life was incomplete and to bury my brother from murder it just definitely infuriated me because he should not have been in that situation he was not deserving no one is deserving to be shot down the street but that just the way his peers and bandmates and friends talked about who he was and the life he brought to them and to know him personally and to watch him grow up and to go home to bury your younger sibling you don't get normal to like that's just something you shouldn't be normal to and unfortunately 11 months after dealing with my younger brother being murdered I had another brother that was murdered on the side of the road back home in Richmond and going to his funeral and he has kids and the mother of his children and it's another life incomplete. He was 37 and these are still two relatively young men who has a whole future ahead of them and it's just, it does break your heart. It does make you think about your own mortality and how you're living your life and what you stand for and it want, you want to protect your kids and it's just it's something that you never get used to and unfortunately I have to walk around with the burden of birthdays I can't wish, holidays, memories I can't share. Like, I can't talk about my past because no one was around to witness it with me. Uh, my brothers, I can't, you know, there's certain things that I can't do anymore that I used to take for granted. So now that I'm raising my kids, it's definitely sentimental and emotional when they share experiences together because that's something that I used to take for granted and it, it's crazy like it's it's something that I don't wish on anyone and you're right Dre like funerals aren't supposed to be for people who have been murdered especially in their 20s and 30s that's just not something anyone should have to get used to because you have to prepare for them like I had to book a flight go home to bury my brothers that's something that it's just it's crazy to say Because, unfortunately, we live in this fabricated world of you don't look like what you went through. So when people ask me about certain things and I'm comfortable with sharing with them, they're blown away. Like, oh, my God, like, I would have never thought. And it's like, what what do you have to look like (laughs) to experience this? Like, it's just crazy. Yeah, man, that's... uh crazy world we live in it sounds so cliche we used to hear older people say it all the time <laughs> here we are 30 something years later yeah. we're still saying it. it's a crazy, crazy world we live in man we just man, don't change I, I never forget one of my um my front brothers uh tim like he, he just he has a lot of go-to lines that he says in certain scenarios and i remember he used to always say like if it's like we're in randomly in line and joe schmo just making small talk with him He'll, he would always say, every day above ground is a good day. 
and since then i've always mm-hmm. said that like every day above ground is a good day because a dead man ain't got nothing to be stressed nope. about so i'm i i'm thankful for my stress <laughs> i'm thankful that i got drama i'm thankful that you know my arm hurt because a dead man ain't got no arm yep. for it to hurt you know so it sounds morbid but you know every day above ground is a good no day. you're absolutely right and this is definitely a little off topic but it's it's so I'm thankful for the adversity that I had to survive because it gave me a perspective and the wisdom to be a husband and a father and I when I first met my wife I told her that I was battle tested <laughs> and that's what I look for in a mate and she didn't understand <laughs> what I meant by being battle tested it's like I'm resilient like I've been through so much and I used to think that was a deterrent for dating because I didn't want to just dump all this baggage on someone because I've been through so much and my my life was just weird and it was hard to explain especially over like the first few dates of getting to know someone because you know my mom died of cancer and it's just like you don't want to bring up negative things because that's that's a deterrent and so when we first started dating how I was able to see that she was legit was because she wasn't afraid of my perceived baggage and she understood what I meant when I looked for someone that was resilient and battle tested and that has helped me get through life like I feel like I had to suffer these crazy situations and scenarios to prepare me for adulthood and I've always been a little bit more mature than my peers and I've always been able to think ahead and you know anticipate things and unfortunately it's because I had to always have to do that as a kid like I couldn't have I couldn't have just been a naive nine-year-old. I had responsibilities. I had chores. I had to prepare myself for the next step. And, you know, unfortunately, the craziness life that I've had over these past 33 years have prepared me for life in the real world. So my kids won't grow up naive and they'll have some type of glimpse of this could really happen to me because it happened to my uncles or this person or it really affected my family personally. So... I have a lot of life lessons and when I was your age stories waiting for my kids when they get a little older. That, that's awesome to, to like to, to know that you can that you can have that experience to to pass it on. And like you you only hope that your that your kids listen to, you, you know, and like mm-hmm. just from the way you the way the both of you are, like I, I know that your kids are going to listen to you because you're you're going to instill it and instill it in them and just the, the relationship you have with it with them like they're going to listen but like that, that's the biggest thing like taking away from from my dad and like I think it, it, it must have skipped the generation because like my dad is a man of, of very few words and so like but when he does say something I, I take it to heart because everything he's saying is for is for a reason but like I look at the way he talks to some of my nephews and like like you know my nephews they're they're young they're not trying to hear it and it's it's crazy to say my dad you know 60 whatever years old he is but like some of the same things he went through as an 18 20 year old man is still applying to black men of today and Mm -hmm. so like and like i get it that like me being here in florida like I'm not in in their lives as much as I as much as I would want to be, and so I don't know how much of their ear I have, but maybe hearing it from me or or my brother, 
might might be able to get it through to him. But like, you see, way my nephews are coming up, and like, like sad to say, some of them are gonna learn the hard way. Yeah. I don't know if you guys follow um, Gerard Carmichael. He has a few HBO specials. He's a comedian. And he was saying how he was looking at some of his nieces and nephews. And he was saying how, like, he can see one of his nieces will work in Burger King. (laughs) 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 And unfortunately... We all have been around kids or been around young people, and you can just kind of see already that they're so far gone that they're gonna be employees at Burger King. And no disrespect to employees at Burger King, but it's like some people you can't reach, and it's unfortunate, but like you can kind of see it in early in a lot of people, and you definitely wish them the best, but. At the end of the day, I think even at a young age, the person has to decide for themselves to want a better life or different life, and it's it's just crazy. <laughs> that's that's the case. <laughs> oh man. Oh boy, but fellas, I definitely enjoyed this conversation. This is one of the realest conversations we've ever had. Um, I look forward to having these conversations with you guys. Thank you so much for your time. Any closing remarks? The name of this episode should be <laughs> No, no Hard, Hard Bottoms. Bottoms. <laughs> I got you. No Hard Bottoms would be the title of this episode. <laughs> Jadakiss had a line. Uh, he was like, it's going to be Hard Bottoms <laughs> and Our Fathers. Mm-mm-mm-mm. <sighs> All right, fellas. Well, until next time, enjoy your lives. Take care of your wives, and we'll chat another time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That, that, was, that was a bar right there. I like it. <laughs> that was a bar. I just, I just, I'm giving you fresh bars off top of the dump. I feel like Jay Z right now. <laughs> speaking, speaking of fresh bars off the top of the dump, I know we're about to end. Y'all, y'all been keeping up with the. The um verses. Yeah, I caught a few. Well, of I wouldn't them. say keeping up. I got a. I got. I'm watching them on YouTube. I'm, I be missing them on the lives, but I, I follow up on a, on a couple of them. It sounds biased, but people have been saying the best one so far was the Beanie Man versus Bounty Killer, and I, of course I'm Jamaican and stuff. And I feel like the people who were saying it were people who just follow reggae music and stuff like that, but from from a non-caribbean person if you guys saw the highlights or saw some of it would you say that was one of the that's better the ones? only one i haven't really checked out i watched some of the luda nelly i watched the jill scott and erica badu i caught some of the teddy rally i liked the t-pain one but that one i haven't had a chance to watch mainly because i didn't know who the other guy was i'm a huge fan of beanie man but i wasn't familiar with the other person so i didn't get a chance to get around and listen but I do like a little reggae music when I'm, you know, chilling around the house. <laughs> yeah, I like a little, spliff. Spliff. A little, a little red stripe. <laughs> yeah, red stripe. <laughs> that was a terrible Jamaican accent. Um, <laughs> no, I've heard worse, like flex, like flex Washington and um, oh, <laughs> or man. Leon in uh, Cool Running. Feel the rhythm. Feel the right. Feel the right. 
It sounds more German <laughs> than dead man. Um, but you've probably heard a lot of Bounty Killer songs. He did a song with No Doubt. I think it was Hey Baby. Oh, okay. Hey, yeah. You know, that song. I feel like it was that one. And he even won a Grammy for it. But you've heard some songs. You just didn't know it was him. Because it was. it's just like a crossover okay. song. And okay. hey, let's put okay. a regular person on it. And it would now, be if it was Sizzler and <laughs> Baby yeah, Man. But yeah. Yeah, Sizzla, Bujabantan, Shaba, you know, all those guys. uh, (laughs) Everybody knows. Um, Yeah, Shaba and um, what's the Mr. Boombastic guy? Um, Shaggy. Yeah, Shaggy, Sean Paul. Yeah, the commercial commercial guys. Of all people, Beanie Man is super commercial. Like, Jesus Christ. He was playing songs. I was like, oh, shoot. I I knew that one too. (laughs) He was playing, and he didn't even play the regular popular ones. He didn't play like you know sim simmer yeah like he didn't play that one at all like so he still had about 15 that would have been super pop chartish that you would have recognized mm-hmm. too see that but i'll check it out yeah, that though. might be my might be I'll my next one out. you know check that one out tomorrow mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was good it was good well, all right fellas again i appreciate you guys being available it's always great chat with you all take care stay safe and i'll holla at y'all next time yes sir take it easy fellas all right peace y'all have a good one peace